here we go. It is now time to share the word. I'm so glad to be with everyone today. My name is Joe Wyrostek, one of the pastoral elders here at Metro Praise International. It's an honor to bring you the word this morning. Those here are already with me in the Zoom from our church, the disciples. I pray that you will join with us now and be blessed as they're being blessed. All those who can share, share this video. Share if you care because God is going to speak to you today. I believe I have a word from the Lord for you today. And if you're in the Chicagoland area and you are not yet in a church or being discipled, come get a hold of us. Write your name underneath there and we'll start discipling you right now. And then you can join us in our Zoom meetings. We also have Zoom life groups all throughout the week. You can join us in those as well. Even if you're a part of another church, we make our life groups. And if you need any financial help during this time, let us know and we'll see what we can do to help you. Today, I'm going to be talking about the subject, Seize the Moment. Our notes are online. Someone please post the notes underneath this link as well. You can find them on our app or you can find them on our website. So please join with us by following along. I'll also be putting them up on the screen today. Our passage is going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Somebody chat, seize the moment. Come on, let's get excited today. Seize the moment. We have a moment in time right now to seize and take advantage of as the church, as Christians, and we ought to do it. Let's look to the passage. Paul preaching to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now moving on to chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Come on, somebody chat that right now. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come. Come on, somebody say the time is now. The time is now. Chat that up. I'll get you busy chatting today. For the time is now. It will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I hope that you have already shared this link and made sure that people can join with us because this is a message that everybody in the body of Christ needs to hear. It is a message that will touch you whether you want it to or not. It is a time that is for everybody to be in this moment. You can't get out of this moment. Now it's up to you what you do in this moment. We heard from the Apostle Paul that there would come a time when people would not want to hear the preaching of God's word anymore. Instead, they would gather around them teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they would turn aside from truth, sound doctrine to miss. This is that time. And we need to seize this moment where people have been so used to hearing miss, we need to get them to hear the truth. Because I still believe when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. 
Let me give you an example of a myth that's going on in our culture right now. Well, all we have to do is just pray for God to find a cure and everything will just go away. See, that's a myth. And people give in to that myth and then the atheists make fun of us and mock us. Here's what Richard Dawkins put up on his Twitter feed. He put up the statistics of the deaths of the coronavirus and he put there on the timeline, Trump's National Day of Prayer. Ha, 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 Christians. Here you went and prayed. You asked God to take the disease away. And yet, look at how it's exponentially grown. Do you see how when we as Christians believe silly myths, people use it against us? Not only is it false, is it wrong, not only is it a myth, to think that we're just going to pray away things like the COVID virus, but it also hinders the gospel. God is wanting us to know why things like the COVID virus exist in our culture and world. Have you ever heard of judgment? Have you ever heard of the plagues of Egypt? You don't just get to stop the plagues of Egypt because you wish a prayer to God like you make a wish at the wishing well or at the wishing uh, fountain there at Disney World. No, you have to know the word of God and you have to know how to pray. You have to know what to pray. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verses 10 and onward. These are the last days that we're living in. Check out the other messages. I've already spoke about that. Don't have much more time to give to it today. I can hardly keep myself to an hour. You know how it is. I like to preach. Preacher, preach. Come on. Come on, somebody. Say it if you mean it. Preacher, preach. That's what I'm here to do by God's grace. So go back and listen to the other messages if you want to be convinced we're in the, old, in the end times. But just to remind us, look at what it says in Luke 21, 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise up against nation. You can't pray that away. And kingdom against kingdom. You can't pray that away. There will be great earthquakes. Can't pray those away. Famines can't pray those away. And pestilences in various places can't pray that away. And fearful events and great signs from heaven. Now you might say, Pastor, well, what in the world am I supposed to pray about during these times? I thought the Bible says we were to turn to him and pray. Absolutely. You can pray prayers of repentance and ask God to have mercy on your land and mercy on those around you. Now you might say, well, what if the doctors find a cure? What if they find a, a way to stop this, a vaccination? They're not stopping what's coming up next. They're not stopping the next one, the next one. You see, the idea is these outbreaks, these things that happen are to teach us life is not in our control. So it came, it did its damage, and now we stop it from doing further damage. What did it do? It already came and disrupted the entire world's economy. God's already made his point. Of course, if he wants to destroy us from a disease, he could take us all out at any moment. But the point is he brings these as warnings, as signs. And so while we're scrambling trying to find a cure, while we're scrambling and trying to quarantine, God's message is coming through loud and clear. So if you want to pray, pray prayers of repentance. Pray prayers of repentance and then pray that as we find a cure that we don't go back to the same sins and wickedness as we have done before. You see, I actually believe in a God that judges the earth. I believe in that in the general sense that all evil is here because God has judged the earth and now he uses it for his good. I believe that's because in the garden we were made perfect. You want to see God's intention 
Don't blame God for evil. When you look at the, the garden, you'll see God's original intention. The original tension, intention for God for earth was perfect earth, perfect mankind, perfect relationship between us and the animals. And what did we do? We chose sin. And when we chose sin, we chose death. And as a result of that, God cursed the earth. So in one sense, all evil, all calamity from stubbing your toe to disease to Hitler to war is all a part of what the curse of sin has brought. And then second, specifically, when we see things like mass pestilence across the globe, we're supposed to wake up and see that God is teaching us the end is near. The end is near. So if you want to pray for all your sick friends and family members to be saved, that's what you should pray. If you want to pray for them to recover, you can pray for them to recover. But you can't pray the COVID away until God has gotten his message out. Until the message is out, God's COVID or God's pestilence or God's curse on the earth will be here. Now you might say, well, I don't see how a good God could send a curse. I thought only which is good comes from God our Father. That's true. But God also, also, not only does God allow good and send good, but he also sends famines. He also sends pestilences. He also sends curses upon the earth. Have you read the book of Revelation lately? The book of Revelation says, by the way, that just seven angels bring destruction to the entire earth. And remember when Jesus was uh, going to the cross there on Good Friday, we'll be celebrating soon as, as he was arrested. Uh, Peter tried to cut off the ear of a soldier to stop that event from happening. And Jesus said, Peter, Peter, I, I don't need your help. I could call down a legion of angels if I wanted to. Well, think about what a legion is 5,000. Think about just what two angels did to Sodom and Gomorrah and think what seven angels do when they come upon this earth in judgment. So yes, God brings good. He's the author of good, but he also allows calamity, destruction, death to come to our earth. Now, before I go on into the message, I just want to summarize this one more time. If you think to yourself, I don't like that kind of God. I, I, don't, I don't want to accept that COVID could be a part of God's judgment. I don't want to accept that. I just want to see God as my great fairy tale, uh, you know, my, my great uh, fairy uh, godmother up in heaven, godfather up in heaven. You know, fairy godmother. That's what I'm trying to say. You just want to see God as your fairy godfather then you don't understand the Bible. You have no idea about the judgment he's already brought to nations. Why don't you think Rome's a nation right now? Hmm? Why don't you think Greece is a nation right now? Why don't you think Egypt still has pharaohs right now? Why don't you think Persia, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire? Why is it I can name to you empires that used to rule the world are all gone now like dust? The reason is... Is because God raises them up and brings them down. He brings them down through their moral decay. He brings them down through wars. He brings them down through disease and sicknesses. He brings them down as nations rebel against them and break off as we did from England. As America was established, breaking off from England, breaking its worldwide empire. Breaking it off. You know, India couldn't get away from England. All these other nations couldn't get away from England. But it was God-blessed America that set them in their place in Jesus' name. So God allows those things to happen. And so now we must seize the moment. We must seize the moment. Let's not be flippant. Let's not act like we're just wishing things to go away. I'm ready for this to be the beginning of the end. 
The Bible says birth pains will come. This could be just the birth pain. And then the real birth comes. I'm ready for the judgment. I'm ready for the angels. I mean, think about it. You have Jeremiah in the time of, of the Babylonian captivity. You have Daniel being taken into captivity. Are we any more righteous than them? Ought we to be spared from judgment that people have already faced? And that I know is so hard for us to understand because we say, well, why do we get punished along with the wicked? God allows it to happen for his own sake. And one of the things he says he allows it to happen for is that the righteous's faith will be tested and they'll be shown to be shining lights in the midst of darkness. That's why even right now in that corrupt, wicked nation of China that's been lying to us this whole time about the COVID, them wicked communist leaders over there, they're arresting and putting in jail Christians even as of now. You can go to open doors and see a Christian arrested and put in jail pastor. That wicked nation is being judged by God because of their wickedness. And yet they're arresting our brothers in the middle of their turmoil. They still make time to persecute the Christians of their nation. Instead of working on making their nation a better place, instead of fixing the problems with their diseases and all of these different things, they're still giving their time and attention to arresting pastors and Christians. Well, I say that to say, well, what's wrong with those pastors? Are those pastors not as godly as the pastors in America like me who get to live in freedom? No, they're just as righteous, if not more righteous than me, right? And yet God is allowing them to suffer in their nation as God is bringing judgment to that wicked nation. And so I pray that China repents. I pray that the, the, the nation of China with its communist leaders repents and comes to Jesus. I still believe that there can be an end time revival, but we have to seize the moment and take advantage of this and stop playing church and, and just pretending we're praying when we're really just wishing. Pray according to the will of God. Pray God's will be done. May we learn from his judgments. May we learn from the curses on our earth. May we learn from pestilences and diseases how to trust him. And to pray God for his healing and mercy in the midst of our repentance. Not skipping over repentance, just praying for mercy. No, confess your sins, the Bible says, and you will be healed. Now, when we go back to our notes and we consider today's sermon, look at your neighbor if you're sitting next to them and say, that was just the introduction. Come on, somebody. We see that there are at least five major things that Paul tells us the word of God will do. And so if we want to seize this moment and not become a laughingstock to online atheists who think that we don't have a God that judges or that we don't have an answer to why plagues strike the earth, we need to be able to put five things on the dietary plate of every person we meet. When we read that passage, the Bible says all scriptures, God breathed. That means it's inspired by God. People say, well, I don't believe it. It was a book written by men. Well, your math book was a book written by men. Do you believe that? Okay. Just because a man pinned it down doesn't mean it can't be true. And when these men pinned down things, they pinned down truths that came from the mind of God. Now listen to what he said the word of God does. He said the word of God teaches, the word of God rebukes, the word of God corrects, and the word of God trains. Then you go on down just another couple of verses into chapter 4, verse 2. He repeats himself, correct, rebuke, and then he adds on encouragement. So what do we see 
But first and foremost, we must understand to seize this moment, the moment that we're in, in the end times, the beginning of birth pains, judgment upon the earth, world calamity, which was prophesied by our Jesus. What do we first and foremost need to understand? We need to understand the word of God and the purpose that it serves. Jesus, while he was being tempted after fasting, the, the devil said to him, turn these rocks into stone. And he quoted from the Old Testament, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words of God are our spiritual substance. So think of this as your dietary plate served by the word of God. We ought to always be teaching the word of God, teaching it. Making sure that people can go line upon line, verse upon verse, and understand it. We also have to rebuke. We have to tell people to stop doing what they're doing and start doing the things of God. Everything you and I do is not all right. Everything you and I do isn't good. A lot of times I talk to people on the streets and I ask them if they have time to talk about Jesus. And they say, no, man, I'm good. No, you're not good. You need a good rebuking. You might need two or three of them. The Bible will do that for us. Number three, correction. Correction gives us the right path. We're not always choosing the right path, are we? We need to be corrected from time to time to choose the right path. Number four, we need to be trained like a trainer at a gym, like someone that's going to push you to go beyond what you would feel comfortable doing, getting you out of your comfort zone. We need to be trained in the things of God, disciplined in the things of God. And then lastly, which seems to be like the dessert, is encouraged. We need to be told that we can make it, that God is on our side, that he loves us, and that he has a plan for us. But if you notice, come on somebody, what most people in the church want to hear is encouragement. Only one out of the five parts, one-fifth of the Christian diet. My friends, we ought to be balanced Christians. We ought to have a balanced diet from the Word of God. We ought to accept all the aspects of the Word of God. Did not Jesus teach us at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So often I talk to uh, people who think that they're doing God a favor by not rebuking sinners or by not correcting uh, people in their church that are out of order. They think that they're doing God a favor by having a large congregation that doesn't train anybody. They just encourage. You're not doing God a favor. Imagine if I had the COVID-19 remedy right now. Imagine if I had it right now. How much would you want me to water it down before I gave it to you? Come on, you want me to water it down 5%? You want me to water it down 10%? My friends, you would say, give it all to me. Give it to me in its full potency. May it have its full effect on me. And see, today we ought to be serious about the word of God and see that it has a full potency. You can take scriptures out of context and make it say whatever you want. Cults even do that. 
That's why so many cults are practicing their wicked things, and yet they point to a Bible verse. What is the solution? Those who know the Bible to teach it, rebuke it, correct with it, train with it, encourage with it, and show not only the cults, but lukewarm Christians what Christianity is always about. That's why when I see something like this, I just kind of want to, you know, slap my head and go, who's talking to these atheists? Who's, who's giving them the idea that God doesn't judge? You know, I don't understand this. Have they ever read the Bible? Do they know of Noah and the ark? Do they know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Do they know the story of the plagues against Egypt? Do they know the, the stories of the Babylonian captivity? Do they understand in the Bible how Jesus brought a curse to the people as they rejected him? Through the apostles made a man blind, struck down Ananias and Sapphira. In the book of Revelation, he says that he'll spit them out of his mouth, even his own church. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. I don't understand where the confusion is. Except that people are not seizing the moment. They want to talk about myths. Let's not talk about God's judgment. Let's not talk about the book of Revelation. Let's not talk about, um, you know, Luke chapter 21, Matthew chapter 24. Let's not talk about, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's not talk about these things. Let's pretend that everything's okay. Let's pretend that it's just God's prerogative to bless us all the time. That that's all that God wants to do is just bless you and I. Look at this. You tell me what this means to you. I'll read it and you tell me what it means to you. Since, uh, you know, people want to have a different opinion according to their feelings. Tell me what this makes you feel like when you read this. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. God bless America. Oh, we're praying. Yeah, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And that's why they don't know how to seize the moment. This is not the time to play patty cake with the world. This is not the time to just pretend like we're going to throw up a prayer to heaven. Seizing this moment comes with the word of God and people who know how to bring out all five aspects. Yes, there's encouragement during this time, but there's also teaching we must have. There's also rebuking we must receive. Correction, training, come on somebody. Otherwise, we'll miss the moment, one more scripture before I move on in Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that the wrath of God has been being revealed. So whether or not this is the end or the beginning of the end, it's up for an argument or debate. Because still, we don't know who the Antichrist is. We don't see the one world government and etc., etc. But I can tell you this, Romans chapter 1 says the wrath of God is being revealed 
from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I know for sure that God has been judging this earth and will continue to judge this earth. So what ought we to do? What ought we to do in a world gone crazy where God has the right to judge the earth? We ought to cry out to God as those have done in other times just like this and cry out to God like them. Seize the moment in Jesus' name. Pray prayers of repentance and go preach the word and see revival come. Oh yes, there's a good that comes out of plagues. There's a good that comes out of wars. There's a good that comes out of famines and earthquakes. We don't just pray and just wish them away. We oftentimes go through them, even long periods of time, and we seize those moments and we use them as platforms to preach the word of God because we've got people's attention now, don't we? Let me give you a few examples of the people who have seized the moment similar to what we're expressing, experiencing now and express the word of God during those times, all five aspects. The Salvation Army in the late 1800s seized the moment of urban plight during the Industrial Revolution in Europe and in the U.S. and went out and did charity, had outdoor meetings and street preaching. They became a movement in the midst of the Industrial Revolution and the urban plight. God used them. The Pentecostal movement was birthed here in the U.S. in the early 1900s during the time of Jim Crow, the Spanish flu, World War I and II, and God used them to break down racism, to integrate their services, to give women empowerment even before the women's movement and had global missions, a heart for the nations. And still today, Pentecostals are growing faster than any Christian believing group on the planet. They preached Christ as king. They preached Christ as coming judge. And they preached Christ as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and the healer of sicknesses. You see, that's how we preach Jesus. We take advantage of these moments. They weren't just saying World War I, World War II, we just wish you to stop. Spanish flu, we just wish you to stop. No, they were saying we're going to use this for the glory of God. In God's hand is life and death. And if they find a cure, fine. But there's already been so much death. This is a wake-up call during these times. I have my heroes here during these times like Lester Summerall. During the times of the diseases, during the times of the wars, traveling all throughout the world, bringing the gospel to unreached people groups. May God raise up people like these early Pentecostals like Lester Summerall. The South Korean movement came out, came after the Korean War. 
after the most bloodiest time in their nation, after their nation was totally devastated by that war, these Christians started to have their meetings in, in the army tents that were left over and started preaching and calling out to God for mercy on their nation as they saw their neighbors turn communist and demonic and worship an emperor. They began to turn their eyes towards Jesus and God blessed their land. God blessed their economy. God raised up the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. You can read about them under these links. The next thing that we see is in the Chinese movement. As China was impacted by communism, they made a state church, the only legal church, a church that they could control. The true Christians went underground. They've been there ever since. And they say that upwards right now of 100 million Christians are meeting in the underground church because since the 1950s, these pastors have been willing to seize the moment and preach the gospel. Of course they would love to have the American dream. Of course they would love to have a vaccine for every sickness they're experiencing. But they understand greater than their momentary affliction is the kingdom of God. And they're seizing the moment with the word of God to bring revival. They're not believing in myths. The Chinese pastors that are arrested even today, held up in jail, they're not believing myths. That everything's just going to work out because, you know, they just deserve it to work out because they're Christians. My friends, they're seizing the moment in life or in death. The next one that we see is the Jesus movement in the 60s. During the time of the countercultural movement, there was a counter, counter to the cultural movement. The Christians... These hippies began to get saved. They were getting off of drugs. They were leaving their free love sex movement. And they started taking those same buses and vans and traveling around to the beaches of California and to the beaches around the world and started having outdoor services. They started bringing their friends to the church with long hairs and cut up jeans and flip flops. And they transformed the way we even looked at church at that time. And now because of them, we have small groups, casual dress, we have outreaches in public modern worship music. They seized the moment. We then see as we move into Latin America, and I could be here all day with all the different examples, but we see the Argentine movement in the 80s. They had experienced conflict. They had experienced civil unrest. They experienced great economic depression. Their culture was falling apart. They were depressed. They felt like they had lost their national pride. But during that time, the Pentecostals began to preach and that God would raise up more soldiers and they began to see souls get saved. They preached that God would win a nation. And before you know it, businessmen like Carlos and Acondia were filling up soccer stadiums out of their tent meetings, and they began to fill up the entire nation with the gospel. The largest places you could meet were filled with gospel preaching meetings. We see the African movement. People like Reinhard Bonnke and others come to mind. Also out of the 80s, the great poverty, the rise of Islam, the unrest in their own nation because of racism among their own people and tribalism and government corruption. They began to turn to Jesus. And from the 80s, Africa, the continent with countries such as Mozambique and Nigeria and other ones have been seeing some of the greatest moves of God on our planet. They seize the moment. I could keep you here longer and talk about India. 
India right now is experiencing revival like never before in the midst of their corruption, in the midst of Hindu extremism, in the midst of their great poverty, God is moving. In Iran, as the Ayatollahs took over and as it became an Islamic state, the Christians didn't just get scared and give up. They got more radical. And some missionologists say that Iran right now is the fastest underground church right now growing, even giving China a run for their money. Have you heard about Cali, Colombia and the revival that God brought there during the time of the outbreak of the drug lords? They were killing pastors. They were killing anyone that would get in their way. And yet these brave men and women of God kept preaching, kept teaching until they filled up their stadiums. Also in the Philippines, they saw a move of God that transformed their nation. There was once a woman that was demon-possessed. And she made it on the news because she was so crazy. And then a preacher heard about it and said, I know what this is. This is not a mentally ill woman. She's a demon-possessed woman. He then went to that jail and asked if he could pray for her. All the reporters were there. She got set free from her many demons, joined the church. Revival broke out in the land as they reported on it. And today in Manila, that remains as one of the largest churches in the Philippines. God has moved in times like these. We're not here to play make-believe. Are you with me? Come on, somebody say, I'm not here to play make-believe. I'm not here to pretend that this is going away. I'm not here to tell you that everything's just going to be all right. I hope it is. I hope they find cures. I do pray for God's mercy on the land. But first and foremost, I pray for repentance on this land. I want to bring the word of God to this city. God gave us a vision of a hundred thousand. Oh man, I used to pray that over and over again and I would say, God, how are you going to do it? God, how is a hundred thousand going to come to this nation, uh, to, to this church and this nation? What is going to happen? What is it going to take, oh God? I never imagined that something like this would be the foundation for our church going to the level it's never been before. You know why? Because God has to get a hold of a nation. God has to get a hold of a people for there to want to be a hundred thousand that gather together in a city like Chicago and start 50 churches and 500 around the world. God's got to get a hold of a people and tell them you're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. You need God in your life. And I say now is the time for us to seize the moment for us to take advantage of this moment, not to just sit back and say, oh, well, it's just like the flu. They'll just figure it out. No, even if it was that way, how is it gripped the, the world, shut down our economies and already killed so many? Is it not God's wake up call to us? And if you underplay it, my friends, if this is nothing to you, and maybe it is, maybe you're a conspiracist that thinks it came from the 5G or something, my friends, what do you think the bowls of wrath are going to look like? So no matter which way you cut this, there is no way to get out of this as a wake-up call for God's people. Now, how will you seize this moment in closing? I pray that you find new ways to reach people with the gospel. Go online. Start reaching people by the phone. 
Start talking to your neighbors. Get close to people that you weren't close to before. Bring all conversations back to the gospel. Make disciples with all the extra time that people have. And when this gets lifted off and we're able to get out of our homes, make sure that you take advantage of the next season that we have in this nation. That's what I pray that you do. Take advantage of this moment. Go hard for God. This may be our last moment. We don't know. But if we have another moment after this, let us build upon it. Let us seize this moment right now for the glory of God and bring souls to Jesus. Mark says in the end of the gospel that as the G as after Jesus had been finished speaking to them after the resurrection, he was taken up to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. And look at what the disciples did. The Bible says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. We need to go out and preach everywhere. I'm not scared. I'm prepared. I'm not scared. I'm prepared. I'm going to seize this moment. I'm not going to lie to you and give you a false message of peace. I want to give you the message of the gospel. I want to give you the five-fold dietary potency of the word of God. I want you to have it all. And I want to believe God that we will see a hundred thousand rise up. Maybe the hundred thousand never can even fit in a building. Maybe they're like the hundred thousand of the outdoor meetings in Africa. Or maybe they're like the hundred thousand of the underground meetings in China. Hallelujah, what an honor. It would be to be a part of that. But whether in life or in death, I'm going to seize this moment. By God's grace, if I have the opportunity starting next week, I'm just going to start preaching about Easter and resurrection and things like that. And I don't know how much more time I'll spend on COVID and all of these kinds of world events. But I felt it good for these first couple of weeks to hone in on this subject to encourage the church to not be discouraged by stupid atheistic memes and to fall into some redonkulous Disney World kind of Christianity, but that you would be ready. In life or in death, you would be ready. In times of judgment, in times of God's wrath, let me put up a scripture to encourage you. You would be ready to call out to God for mercy because you know that even if this is a time of wrath that God is still good to those who call on his name the book of uh, Habakkuk tells us what it would look like when that time would come that the nations would swoop in on us they would destroy us this was a thing that actually happened to the people of Israel and even here the prophet says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? Why the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? He says, but God, you're allowing this to happen. He says, I will stand at my watch and at my station. He said, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He says, God, what are you going to tell me about this? And then God says, write down this vision. Remember, this is what I preached at the beginning of the year. And that God said he's going to turn the judgment for his good, for his people. 
and that he's going to take them out of the judgment and bring them into blessing and that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. And obviously they just experienced a part of that as God started to bless them after judgment. But we're still waiting for these kinds of things to happen. And as you continue to go through the book of Habakkuk, he ends. See, this is the real prayer. This is the prayer I'm praying right now. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. We just talked about the past and all of these revivals. Repeat them in our day, God. In our time, make them known. In wrath, oh God, remember mercy. In wrath, oh God, would you remember mercy. Father, we pray that now. Have mercy on this nation. Have mercy on the world. Give us another revival, oh God, before you come back. May we see you show up in power and do, God, what you've done before at other times. Lord, help us to seize this moment to not sit back, to not make excuses, to not believe myths, but, oh God, to hold on to your word and to give this nation what you want them to hear. Let us teach them. Let us correct them. Let us rebuke them. Let us train them and let us encourage them. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you want to join with us, put your name underneath. If you want to get saved and have someone pray with you, put your name underneath. If you have a prayer request, put your prayer request underneath under this live feed. We would love to pray for you now. We would love to encourage you now. I'm about ready to go back to our Zoom meeting to end in worship and prayer with our leaders, but we're here to reach out to you. Someone of the same gender will come and reach out to you. Remember to seize the moment. God bless you and have a wonderful